0: Wonderful joy to stand before the full church this morning. Have absolutely loved speaking to these beautiful young people over the weekend. I want to say thank you to Pastor Jeff, Pastor Bobby for allowing me to come. I just wonder is this question on your mind? Why did Pastor Jeff and Pastor Bobby invite the man to come this year and not next year? Did you know the reason for that has to do with church finances? You see, I can stand here this year. It's not costing anything extra. But if I come next year, the church has to rent a walker, some oxygen bottles. (laughs) So we thought, why not just do it the inexpensive way and let me go ahead and come while I'm standing erect? I'm just happy to be here. Bobby actually invited me for a completely different reason. He thought if the young people are staring at me all day yesterday, they would walk away saying, Well, we thought Bobby was the oldest student minister in America, but he's not. (laughs) Actually in comparison he looks kind of young. I think from now on the young people are going to see him in a completely different way. And I'm I'm happy to be a part of that. Uh, Have gotten to know a lot of you yesterday and more of you this morning. This is a happy positive church. That's what I think. So much so that if I ask you to be a part of a little demonstration to kick off the sermon I think most of y'all would try to be a part. Can you imagine doing this? Can you imagine me asking everybody in here to stand back up again? And can you imagine the preacher saying, every one of you come and crowd completely here at the front? That might have worked in the early service, but boy, right now we would really be crowded. So how about this? How about instead of asking you to come and be part of a demonstration, how about you just use your imagination? What if you imagined all of you standing up and to make a point, what if all of you were trying to come down front, following my instructions about where you should stand? For instance, what if I had said, as you're coming to the front, let's get a group right here, and if you're gonna be in this group, you would be saying to the rest of us, I am on my way toward God. I am no atheist, somebody is out there, and I just thought I'd get up this morning and see if I could figure this thing out, I am on my way toward God. Now, if we had done the demonstration, and if we actually had a group that formed up right here, the whole church would be happy about that. You would be thinking, brother, sister, I appreciate your intellectual honesty. I hope you find your way toward God. Even though the church would be happy about this group, the vast majority of you would not be thinking, I should stand there. In fact, the majority of you might be thinking, I certainly need to go somewhere else. What if there had been another group that formed up right here in front of the pulpit, and this group would congregate here to say, there was a time in my life I was on my way toward God. Finally, somebody explained, oh, you can meet Him through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. I received that wonderful gift in my life. So no, I'm not on my way toward God. I know Him, but I'm standing here and not some other places because... Even though I know Jesus, these days the most important person in my world is me. Now now by that I mean, you know my crazy kids, my health concerns, my finances, you know just the things that make up life. I would say Monday through Saturday, that's what's on my mind most of the time. But, of course, I do tell Jesus my troubles. In fact, I don't even know how these people get by if you can't tell Jesus your troubles. My, oh my. So, yeah, I tell him about my troubles, but even when I do that, really what I'm preoccupied with is me. Now, the group that ought to form up here... I'm not entirely sure they would come because the same people that belong here are also humble people. Maybe their friend would have to bring them to stand. But but if we had a group, they would be saying, there was a time in my life I was on my way toward God. Finally, I met Christ as my Savior. And I can't take credit for anything that's happened in my life. It is only the grace and work of God. But somehow, by His mercy, this morning I would say, The preoccupation of my life is Jesus now I have the same troubles everybody else has oh my goodness I could tell you my troubles but you know even in that what's really on my mind during the week is oh this is hard I wonder how Christ is going to be glorified through this part of my life oh that was difficult I wonder how he will bring his kingdom you know more on the earth through this challenge same thing for my family I mean, we might be sitting on the couch and we're saying to each other, boy, this is a tough time. I wonder what Jesus is doing to draw attention to himself. I wonder how he's going to be glorified through this. So really, for me and my family, our preoccupation is Jesus. Lost. Convert. And to use Jesus' favorite name for these people, disciple. Disciple lost convert disciple all of us see so-called research out there nobody would pay any attention to it but actually there is some research that is rock solid that good research says if I grow up in a home nobody knows Jesus in that house I lived there 18 years statistically speaking the likelihood is I will leave that home and I will be lost my entire adult life. Now, you and I both know there's exceptions to the rule. In fact, several of you this morning would say, I'm the exception. Nobody of faith in my house growing up. Later on, as an adult, I met Jesus, great miracle. Of course, exceptions exist, but there's not very many of them. The good research says if I grow up 18 years, And my mom and dad are disciples. Not perfect, of course. But generally speaking, my mom and dad have Jesus front and center. He is actually a topic of conversation in our house. I I watch my mom and dad make family decisions based on Jesus, His Word, His glory. If I watch that 18 years, the statistical probability is that I will leave that home and I will spend adulthood as a disciple Of Jesus now again there are some exceptions you can grow up with two discipleship parents and by a strong act of your will you can reject that and live like the devil it can be done but just like here there are not very many of those exceptions in general lost parents create lost young adults disciple parents create disciple young adults Convert parents Produce children who tend to become a Lot like lost people I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm really talking about lifestyle. I want to show you something You see growing up here Growing up here. We go down to the church as a family on Sunday morning. We fit in okay We know how to say all the Sunday morning words. We do okay But when we get back home, you know, Monday through Saturday, that Sunday morning thing, that doesn't seem to come up very much. It seems like all the conversation in our house is about SAT scores and scholarships and travel ball and roses on the 50-yard line and a whole lot of other things. The dissonance, the disconnect between that Sunday morning profession and what I can tell is really most important in our house The disconnect between those two things it kind of fries my wiring so much so that when I go off to the big bad University I don't have enough faith to hold me any campus minister will tell you when those freshmen walk on campus really in only two or three weeks they are starting to behave like the law students maybe maybe the most important sentence of this entire sermon is the next sentence. The future of your children hinges primarily on the spiritual condition of your heart. Obviously, I'm speaking mostly to parents. The future of your children hinges primarily on the spiritual condition of your heart somebody could protest somebody could say ross you're not from around here you don't know this church has got primo children's ministry and primo youth ministry and you do that does matter i will talk about that later but mom and dad this is what you cannot possibly do you cannot possibly think my responsibility is to get my family in a good church and then just hope Some of those good people up at the church will make my kids look like Jesus Kids are not dry cleaning you cannot drop them off and hope to pick them up fresh and clean later on You are in first position both in terms of what the Bible says, but also just practically in life Whatever is going on inside my mom and dad looms much bigger than even the good ministries of a church This issue of the heart has been interesting to me lately I'm sure some people would say I wasted my time but back at the seminary where I teach I sat down and I did an exhaustive study from Genesis to Revelation I studied every passage that has to do with the heart it was fascinating in fact right now I would like to give you every passage of Scripture Genesis to Revelation that has to do with the heart But if I did that, the Methodists would beat us to the restaurant. Nobody really wants that today. So instead of giving you the whole load, how about I just hit a couple of high spots? Most of you know these by memory. Jeremiah 17.10. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Jeremiah 24 7. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me. How? With their whole heart. Matthew 15, 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from what? The heart. Luke 6, 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the Heart, his mouth speaks. I'm telling you, it's the heart. If we had actually crowded up and done the demonstration this morning, and you would have found yourself standing right here, I do want to say during this sermon, there is nothing going on up here that's more important for you than you figuring out, do I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ this morning? Do I want to meet Him as my Savior? We're going to have pastors standing up here at the close of the service and they would love to have a conversation with you about that very thing. But again, I think the vast majority of you this morning are not struggling with, am I spiritually lost? I think most of you are trying to figure out, "Hmm," to use that man's terminology, am I a convert or am I a disciple? It's an interesting question. In 2023, we've got lots of meters, but we don't have a meter we can poke you with that says convert or disciple. We don't have one of those. In the absence of a meter, let me just ask you a few questions, and you decide where you're standing. Parents, let me ask you this. How many of you would say, Ross... There's a lot of things I'm trying to accomplish as a parent, but probably what rises to the top is I want my kids to succeed at whatever they try in life. doesn't matter to me what, but whatever they get into, whatever they're trying to accomplish, I want to help my kids be successful in whatever they do. But somebody else in the congregation might disagree with you. They might say, well, that's nice, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to have kids that are reasonably happy with their lives everybody knows what the suicide rates are right now and a mom or a dad could say I can't stand thinking about that I want my kids to leave home and I want them reasonably happy with their lives well somebody might disagree with both of those thoughts and they might say no 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 by far the most important thing is we need kids that are moral and upright the, the, the depth of immorality out there in the community it blows our minds and you could easily say i don't want my kids to have any part of that so i'm trying to rear them to be good moral people okay those are all nice things speaking of good research did you know they did a study of atheists not hoodlums i'm talking about middle class atheists that live in decent neighborhoods and have normal jobs They tried to determine what do those people have as their highest goals of parenting. And you know what the atheist said? My highest goal is either I want my kids to be successful or I want my kids to be happy or I want my kids to be upright people. So mom and dad, if you would say one of those happens to be my top goal, I would say you're right in line with the same people that believe there is no God. And that might give you a hint where you're standing this morning. Now actually if it was just adults in here and we were only talking about adult life, this would still be an interesting sermon. It would just be an interesting sermon. Oh, am I a convert or am I a disciple? But you see I'm raising the stakes. I'm saying not only does that matter for you as an adult, but it's going to have everything to do with the generation coming behind you. I preach almost every Sunday in a different state now in three different states you wouldn't expect any similarity why would it be that I've had the same kind of experience in three different places in three different places it was the the program of the day that we were to have lunch after this service and in three different states as I left the service to go find my way to the lunchroom I have had three different men all in their 50s, I would say. I've had three different men find me wherever I was, and in all three cases, those men stood too close to me, and in all three cases, they thumped me on the chest. Now, they didn't use the exact same words, but they said pretty close the same thing. Those men found me to say, Ross, you better keep preaching that message. And then all three of them went on to say, You better keep preaching that message because you're telling the truth. Their stories were not identical, but they were close. All three men saying, My adult children will not give me the time of day. Two of the men said, My adult sons will not let me be with my grandkids without me swearing that I won't be talking religion. And both of those men said, Ross, there's my dilemma. Either I never see my grandkids again or by not talking with them about their faith, I'm dealing with the possibility that my own grandchildren may not even make it to heaven. And then with one more thump, they said, you better keep preaching that because it's the truth. In the real world, What is going on with mom and dad spiritually has most of the influence on what happens to the kids in adulthood. I want to say something about this middle group right here. Did you know this group right here was never part of the plan of Jesus at all? You might say, Mr. Seminary Professor, you're going to need to prove that to me. Okay, I'll try I think we could put Jesus over here, right? (laughs) Let's put Jesus over here and on earth He's preaching to the lost people. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, take your pick, any sermon. When Jesus is preaching to lost people, do you know what He says to them every time? He either says come and follow me, or he says, come and be my disciple, it's the same thing. He is saying to lost people, I want you to come over here and follow me into a life of discipleship. Don't repeat a little prayer and get your ticket to heaven. I want you to come over here and follow me as a disciple of mine. That was the plan. This was never part of his design at all. And yet this morning, this is the majority of the American church today. You may disagree with me, but I think America is in trouble not mostly because of the bad people. It is mostly because this is most of the church. Once again, that would be an interesting adult sermon. But I've got to say to you, the condition of your heart has everything to do with what you can expect to see in your children and first and secondarily in your grandchildren. Three simple challenges and we'll be done. First challenge I want to give you is this. You be awakened. To more of who Jesus actually is. You be awakened more to who Jesus actually is. I wanted this sermon to a degree to kind of recap what we did with the young people yesterday. When I asked the young people, what is your view of Jesus? How do you think about Him? Do you know what I ask? Look at me. Look. I asked the young people, is it possible that you have little Jesus in your pocket? Is it possible that you would say, I know Jesus, I actually belong to Him? I might even say that i love him but he's not really that important to me during the week i kind of do what i want to he stays out of my business in fact he's so little i can put him in my pocket But the nice thing about having him down in my pocket, number one, he doesn't bother me, but number two, when I have a problem or a need or an issue, I can always pull out little Jesus and say, Jesus, Jesus, make my problems all better. And of course, when he makes my problem better, then I don't need him anymore. He goes back into my pocket to be mostly not relevant to my life until I need him again. And some adult might be thinking, well, that's kind of juvenile. I guess that works with the teenagers. But let me ask you adults a question. If you get up and pray in the morning, and I mean really pray, what percentage of your prayers are asking for things? Hey, Jesus, I've got all these situations that you need to straighten out. Could it be mostly the way you relate to Jesus is... You pull him out of your pocket and ask him for benefits in your life but then you dash out the door with no intention of him being King and Lord over who you are that's no different than saying little Jesus in my pocket for me to challenge you and invite you to be awakened to more of who Christ actually is I would invite you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 110 Psalm 110 this was our key passage yesterday with the young people Psalm 110, King David was given permission to look a thousand years into the future and he was able to see an actual historical event a thousand years before it actually took place. What we're looking at in Psalm 110 is David reporting his vision. He's reporting what he saw that actually happened a thousand years later. Now I'm going to read to you from Psalm 110, verse 1, and I'll be reading from the ESV. That's the version that Jesus used. You can follow along with which other uh, version you have there before you this morning. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. What on earth is going on? David looked forward to see a day for Jesus. It would actually be the 40th day after the resurrection, after the first Easter, count 40 days. On that day, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. He bid farewell to his little followers, and he went up in the air. The Bible says he went through the clouds. So what happened five minutes after he went through the clouds? The teenagers now know Jesus walked back in the front gate of heaven, approached his Father in heaven, and God the Father said to the returning Son, Be enthroned at my right hand, and I will make your enemies a footstool for your feet. I'm putting the scepter of all authority in your hand. From that morning until this morning, what Jesus has been doing every day is ruling and reigning over the universe. In my hotel room this morning about 4 a.m. I was praying for you, but I was also trying my best to see an elevated throne right there in the room so I could speak to Jesus as the king he really is. He is the king of the universe. He is not a plastic figurine. I'm just asking you, dear adult, do you need to catch up now with the young people to say, I want to see Jesus much more in his glory and power and majesty because he's the king I think almost every one of you believe there will be a second coming of Christ if you are out in your front yard and with your own two eyes you look up and you see Jesus descending to earth I know you have always pictured him in majesty and glory and power here's the deal Who Jesus will be in His second coming is precisely who He is today. He doesn't turn into something. Probably He will just stand up from the throne of heaven, step over here, and drop to earth. That is who I was talking to in the hotel this morning. He is the King. Let me just ask every one of you a really personal question. When you're up in the morning and you're praying... I'm not talking about saying grace over your post toasties. I'm talking about that part of your morning when you really pray. Is there anything in your voice? Is there anything in your mind's eye? Do you have any sense at all? I am speaking to majesty. I am speaking to royalty. Is that part of your life and experience in the mornings at all? I'm inviting you to wake up to more of who he actually is say well Ross does that really change anything of course it does watch Let, let me switch things around let me switch things watch let me be Jesus and here's little Richard Ross coming to speak to me he is the king of heaven he loves me he's looking forward to hearing from me he shushes the music of heaven temporarily so that I can speak he gives me permission and I'm gonna talk to him What's the first word out of my mouth? Well, it's not going to be, Oh, Jesus, I have so many troubles to... T-. No! About all you can get out of your mouth initially is holy, holy, holy. I'm asking you, do you approach Him that way? What I'm discovering in my life is it flips so many things around when I wake up to more of the greatness of who He actually is. My second challenge to you is closely related be transparent about that awakening with your family be transparent some of you are private people there's nothing wrong with that that's just a personality type but you do have to be careful if you're too private Jesus could be doing something new in your life and your kids would never figure it out because you have kept that so much inside yourself talk a little bit about your love for King Jesus and your life in Him. Dad if, Dad, if I could just use you as an illustration, let's just say, Dad, you and Jesus are getting along better. You're up in the morning. You're having better prayer, Bible study. And on a particular morning, you're in your Barca lounger, and you're reading the Bible, and you're having a good time. And while you're reading the Bible, everybody's asleep. You're reading the Bible, and you go, mm mm, mm. Oh, what? Man, man, that's a good verse. Man, like, ooh, I like that. Okay, what do you do about that? Well, you take your Bible to breakfast. Finally, your sleepy-headed daughter walks in, and you say, come here, come here, come here, lean over my shoulder. Man, I was reading my Bible this morning. Come here, this is really good. Look what I found. Okay, the young people, every Sunday morning, they're studying the Bible at 940. Everybody happy about that? I'm real happy about that. But you know what I think? I think that girl leaning over her dad's shoulder, reading the Bible with him, I think that little scene right there, that's probably worth about 10 Sunday morning Bible lessons. You know why I believe that? That man's the most important man in that girl's life. She just got a reminder, my dad loves Jesus. He's up talking to Jesus every morning. When that girl is 30 or 35, her life up at her church with her family, all of that is going to be shaped by moments just like that. Be transparent about your life in Christ. Third and finally, Partner with your church to see your kids look like Jesus. Partner with your church. Now, I said at the outset, you cannot outsource the spiritual life of your children to the church. You can't do that. Mom and Dad, you are in first position. But you can certainly be grateful for a church that will come alongside you and will help you and support you in the process. Did you know when you figure all this out, it changes how you listen to announcements? Did you know that? A few months from now, you and Jesus are just getting along great. Your morning worship is different. Somebody puts up a slide or makes an announcement. Oh, we're going to do such and such for families. It's going to be great. We're going to pull families together. And you go, okay, that goes in my phone. And you're punching that into your phone and you chuckle to yourself because you say, you know, months ago, I never paid attention to stuff like that at all. But I do now. Now, anything my church will help me do to spiritually lead my family, oh, I'm all over that now. It changes how you listen to things. And it changes decisions you make at home. Just, I'm going to make this up. Just listen. Just listen. Coach, I appreciate you. I, I'm just talking to you man-to-man here. I've been watching you. You have taken a special interest in my son, and I appreciate it. I've watched you, you stayed late with him a couple of times, you've opened some doors for him. Coach, that means so much to me. And I, I think I understand what you're trying to tell me. What you're telling me is these college scouts are more likely to see a traveling team than a school team right now. And coach, I understand that if we can get my son on some of those teams, he might have a little better shot. And, and coach, for you to offer my son the last spot on this next team, that, that is a gracious thing. But, but coach, you're telling me that this particular league is going to have the boys out six Sunday mornings in a row. Coach, not only am I trying to build a blue chipper here, I'm trying to build a young man with a heart for God. Boy, six, man, six Sunday mornings of worship, six Sunday mornings of Bible study. Oh, that's so much. Coach, I I, got to say no on this one, and you and I will watch for some other ways that we can give my son a boost. Okay, does anybody think that's easy to say? No. For every parent, our kids, their accomplishments, their activities, it's huge. I know that. But the criteria is this, you have to keep the main thing, the main thing. And if you do, the payoff comes years in the future when your now adult children are sitting around your Thanksgiving table and your now adult son says, hey dad, you made some decisions when I was in high school that I wasn't that crazy about, but dad, I've got a different perspective now. I mean, just look at me, look at my kids, how active we are up at our church. Dad, i got to give a lot of the props to you. You always kept the main thing, the main thing. So Pastor Bobby says, oh, Ross, lifetime youth leader. And you're thinking, well, that's nice. Man's got a, probably got a house full of his own kids. Well, that would have been good too, but it didn't work out. I'll save you the sad stories. We only have one living child his name is Clayton when Clayton started college he's not like a preacher or missionary or anything official he's just a kid that loves the Lord but when he got in high school uh, in college anytime he would hear of groups of his age group that were going to fly to some other country to talk about Jesus his tendency was jump on the plane and go went multiple places but he had a preference for going to those places where they tend to cut your head off if you talk about Jesus. More than once, I was out at DFW Airport looking down those concourses just to make sure that Clayton had gotten on that plane and was home safe. Clayton got sick, but right now he's getting better. He's getting better enough that we're moving up to the day. I, this is This is reality. My son is going to come in in the near future and he's going to say, Dad, I think I'm well enough. And by the way, I heard of a group that's going to XYZ and I'm going to go with them. Perish the thought, but what if this time Clayton's body comes home in a box? Pastor Jeff on a Sunday morning says, some of you would remember the tall professor from Texas, his son, Uh, we had quite quite a loss in the Middle East this week blah 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 service will be Wednesday morning and you just have a crazy thought you're thinking you know my work you know we have we have work in DFW really I've been needing to get down there anyway I, I tell you what I'm gonna do I'm just gonna plan a little business trip but I'm gonna make it time out to that funeral and so you walk in Wedgwood Baptist Church on a Wednesday morning and you sit down on the back row I guess they would put me about right here. Let me go ahead and tell you, if you're watching me during the funeral, I'm going to be crying like a schoolgirl. Clayton and I are so close. His birth was a miracle. We're just buds. When he comes on my campus, he'll walk halfway across campus to give me a bear hug and probably pick me up. We are close. So if I'm not going to see him again on this earth, I'm going to be plenty broke up about it. But after the service, if you come out in our circular driveway and you catch me before they put me in a black car, you might say, Brother Ross, you came out to Auburn. Actually, I never met you that entire Sunday morning, but I don't know. I just I felt a connection with your message and, and my business. Well, it doesn't matter. Here I am. Can I just ask you a quick question? How do you really feel about the fact that now you will never have a grandchild in your lap? How do you feel about the fact that now, Christmas Eve, you'll hand your wife one present, she'll hand you one present, you'll both go to bed, and that's how it'll be the rest of your life. How do you feel about the fact that now, eventually, you will die in hospice alone, no children by your side? I can't, I can't promise you this morning how I would answer your question. But I can tell you this morning how I would like To answer your question what I hope I will say is it is well with my soul do you know why I would want to be able to say that there's a logical reason Clayton Allen Ross is on planet earth for the glory of God that's why the kid exists therefore if King Jesus should decide in this very unusual circumstance I would be glorified by the death of a martyr planting the church in another place if that's the will of the king how can dad say anything, anything different from it is well with my soul? But actually, Clayton and me, we are not the issue this morning. The issue this morning is these precious ones all over this congregation, they are every one on earth for the glory of God. That is the reason for their existence. Therefore, there is no part of parenting that is more important than you parenting in those specific ways where you are making it most likely that each one of your children will live their entire adult lives for the glory of God. Would you just bow your heads? Musicians, come. We're coming to a moment of decision. You adults are sharp people you've got good minds and you're sharp enough that many of you would say right in front of my face there is a fork in the road and the fork in the road is this one fork is I go home I stay the course you know we try to keep our nose clean you know just but we don't make many changes the other fork is I go home with a brand new commitment I am going to lead my family to love Jesus. I don't know exactly all that that means, but I'm going home to make sure my kids know I love the Lord. And I'm going to make family decisions that reflect Jesus and his priorities and his word. That's the the desire of my heart. I'm going to put him first in our family. Now you and I both know that you can wrestle with an issue like that right where you're sitting. But a lot of us have discovered when you do something concrete about a decision, it is much more real, it is much more long lasting. So I'm gonna ask you to do something unusual. If you would say, I wanna go home with a fresh commitment to spiritually leading my own family, I want you to come to the front and I want you to kneel in this altar and I want you just to say a simple prayer. Many of you would say something like, Lord Jesus, you know I love you, I've loved you for so long. But I'm just going home with a new commitment, a fresh commitment to be spiritually what my kids need me to be. I'm going to try to make decisions based on you and your word. My kids are going to hear out of my mouth that I love Jesus. That's it. You just say a prayer and you go right back to your seat. If husband and wife happen to agree on this, You could come together kneel side by side but doesn't have to be that way there might be a couple right here in the church and you're you're pregnant you're expecting maybe you you two would come and say from the first breath of life we're dedicating ourselves to spiritually leading this baby that is still to come in the early service a great host came forward and knelt. many of them were senior adults their knees wouldn't actually kneel. My knees won't kneel. So I told them in the first service, if your knees won't kneel, you just come and find a place up here in one of these seats and just sit here at the front and let that be your prayer altar. I'm talking to people that are saved people. You love the Lord. There's no question about it. But it just seems important to you today. I just want a fresh commitment to spiritually leading my kids and I'm coming to kneel and say that we will have and do have pastors standing here at the front any other spiritual question question or decision they welcome a conversation with you young people those of you that made decisions last night if you would like to come and do that before the church you come and speak to one of the pastors as well Lord Jesus I pray in the next few moments you would be the center of all attention I pray that there would be a new freshness spiritually in the homes of these that respond to that end i pray in your name amen and amen would you stand to your feet would you stand would you sing and if god calls you would you come